Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening from me, Tori Ree, on the Viva Life Show podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I just want to express our complete and utter gratitude for all of the overwhelming support we've had since we released our first episode last week. Um, we were so excited about getting this out, and the way that you guys have responded and backed us and supported us has just reaffirmed the reason that we're doing this. So thank you. Um, I just want to know, let you guys know I feel like I'm telling you guys every week where I seem to be sitting to do these intros. I'm actually currently sat in a wardrobe. (laughs) The reason being, Josh is outside making a smoothie bowl, which I'm very grateful for. Uh, But he's kind of noisy. So I've I have hidden my way myself away in a wardrobe. And uh, I don't know why I felt like sharing that. But uh, it was amusing to me. So so I thought he'd let you know. Um, But I wanted to let you guys also know the great news, finally, finally, as of this morning, we got approved to go on Apple Podcasts. So by the time you listen to this episode, you should be able to search for us on Apple Podcasts, which also means you will be able to subscribe. Um, And because we are finally up on there, we decided we wanted to run a little competition. This isn't bribery but it might be slightly. (laughs) So what we're going to do is we're going to run a competition. We are going to be sending out some free products to one lucky person who has given us a five-star review. I mean, there's no reason why you shouldn't give us a five-star review, really, unless you're you're trolling, you know? Um, So we would be super, super grateful. We want to get this pushed out to as many people as we can. And we know that by doing that, it really helps by going up the charts in Apple Podcasts. So if you could subscribe, leave us a five-star review. And by this time next week, we will be announcing the winner of the competition. So that's really good news. But I'm not going to sit here and rabble on for too much longer because you've got a whole podcast to listen to. And it's an exciting one. It's one with one of my favorite people, Miles, also known on YouTube as Healthy Crazy Cool, as same on Instagram. He is an absolute sensation. Uh, there's not many people who can capture my attention for that long on YouTube. But Miles is 100% my number one. He is the self, self-crowned Tahini King. Um, also, if you look at his IG, you will see that he is a politician. <laughs> I will chuckle on that one. Bless you, Miles. Um, but no, he, he, he's one of the most interesting and deep and complex characters that I have been fortunate enough to come across. And I'm so excited for you guys to listen to this podcast. Uh, Miles has a very, very interesting background, one that I wasn't even aware of when I first met him. And as I've got to know him, I've been able to delve in deeper. And unfortunately for you guys, we delve in deep from the get-go. So without further ado, I am going to pass over to the podcast. But thank you guys again for all of your support. It's truly, truly appreciated. And I will catch you up next week. So hello, everyone. Welcome back. I am joined by one of my great friends, Miles. You may also have known him as a YouTuber, Healthy Crazy Cool. I got that the right way around, right? Yeah, you did. You did. (laughs) (laughs) Every time I get it in a muddle. But um, it's fine because I think he's probably the only person that I actually subscribe to because he's the only person that I can watch for that long and stay engaged. So (laughs) I have to give you some kudos for that. Oh, thank you. That means a lot, honestly. (laughs) Um, But I'm going to let you introduce yourself a little bit more because my my memories and uh times with you are going to be very different to what everybody else <laughs> yeah yeah so miles who are you so who i am do you know what that's actually a good question i'm not even sure i know myself <laughs> <laughs> well basically where i'm at right now um i guess we can go back a little bit if you want to but right what i'm doing right now is i yeah i run the youtube channel healthy crazy cool i've been doing that for kind of a couple of years um my background is in nutrition that's what I've been studying over the last eight years and working in clinical practice so in a clinical setting not just um nutrition in the term in terms of um you know sports nutrition or like bodybuilding or stuff like that but mainly with people with chronic health issues so even things like cancer diabetes arthritis uh, my main speciality that I worked in, in in a few clinics was with eating disorders which was a very very rewarding job and I think I learned stuff there that I could never have learned in any other kind of practice um, but I feel like at the same time it was it was very draining and I started my channel kind of just as a creative outlet because my job mm-hmm. was so serious you know um, and you and the thing is 
you've got you're quite like me we can sit there and have the deepest and most meaningful conversations but everything in life I'm just down to have a laugh <laughs> exactly 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 so I can understand that that would be kind of uh yeah yeah, yeah exactly a balance. Yeah, yeah I felt like I was definitely good at what I did and I, I and I was passionate about it but I, th- I felt like whilst I was trapped in those four walls of a clinic I really mm. wasn't there was a big part of me that was kind of shut away which is my creative side which is the side yeah. that I really thrive on so when I started my channel I really had no expectations that it would kind of you know blow up into something quite big and I'm just very blessed that right now I'm able to kind of you know I guess yeah I guess entertain people but at the same time just kind educate of, ed- educate and entertain at the same time I guess that's my mm-hmm. main purpose and I guess it's a blessing to be able to do that right now so yeah Definitely a skill as well. So I'm going to give you some more credit on that one. Um, (laughs) But I think it's important as well for people to understand a little bit even further back in regards to your journey, because that's kind of like, yeah, how you've got to kind of from a career aspect. But obviously, that was definitely not always your journey. No, it wasn't. Um, Yeah. So I guess this is the kind of this. uh, Yeah. I mean, I'm more than happy to talk about it with you, obviously, because we're very close friends as well, but mm-hmm. I feel like I need to open up about this more as well, just to other people in the hopes that it might help them. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really been a, a big part of my past that I have not spoken about for a long time, kind of because I was ashamed of it. But um, growing up, yeah, I grew up in the world of professional sport. From the age of five, I was already in training for about three or four hours a day in tennis. I'm Damn. Yeah, it was, yeah. The world of individual professional sport is brutal. It's very brutal. Um, so I think by the age of 10, I was already playing for Great Britain. Um, I was like ranked number one in the country. I was traveling with Andy Murray, actually, because we're both the same age. And we traveled together between the ages of 10 to 18, where we both represented Great Britain, um, different international events all around the world um, for our age groups. And yeah, competed all around the world, um, played in all four Grand Slams, got to the final of Junior Wimbledon when I was 18. Um, so everything was going amazing, but the the problem, and I, you know, I was very, very good at what I was doing, and I was a very mm. hard worker, and I loved the lifestyle, loved everything about it. But the thing is, with sport, you know, if you if you get injured, you're kind of like a mm-hmm. you're a damaged commodity, you know, and um, and when that you've spent your whole life, whole life, on something, whole life, whole life. Mm. Every, I mean, I. I don't want to say I didn't have a good upbringing because I did. I was very, you know, I, I got to travel the world before the age of 18, which I don't think many people can say. But at the same time, mm-hmm. I, you know, to do what I was doing, you have to neglect other areas of your life, such as yeah, of course. social aspects and friends and just at not just. I mean, I was even pulled out of school at the age of 13. Wow. So from, yeah. From the age of 18, I had no education until I went back to nutrition school and, and had to start from back to basics. Because they pulled my management group pulled me out of school at that age, thinking that I was so good that there was no way, you know, tennis you wasn't going to be right for it. Yeah, they didn't yeah. think I needed it. And of course, that is, I mean, in, looking back now, of course, that's very irresponsible. I feel like no matter how good you are at something, <laughs> you have to have balance in your life. Mm. Um, oh, yeah, for you, sure. And it's always, and um, like you say, with sport, like, sorry, I'm just going to have a sip of water because. <clears throat> <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, with sport, um, when you do focus your whole life on it, it's yeah. more the, the the mental damage that it can do when that gets taken away from you. I've got a couple of friends who play for like the NFL and yeah. they've had injuries and all of a sudden they're like, well, what, what the hell am I going to do with my life? Exactly. Exa- yeah, you, yeah, you worded it perfectly. I, I think when I got injured, it was at 18 and I, between the ages of 18 to 19, 20, I had three shoulder surgeries and every time tried to go through the rehab, tried to come back, but eventually it was just, it was too bad. It was too badly injured, but you're right. I mean, when I initially, when I eventually had to stop, it's like the day came when it was gone. Mm. I, I mean, honestly, the only, the only analogy I can give you was that I felt like an alien coming onto planet earth because I didn't actually know how About to, real life. I didn't know how to live normal life. Honestly, mm. I didn't know what I was or who I was. I only know, I knew myself only as an athlete. I didn't, yeah. I didn't have any other balance in my life. So it was, yeah, I, I kind of spiraled down into a a pretty dark place for many years. Um, just because I guess it was my my my, uh, my way of self-medicating, self-numbing, because I really didn't, like you said, I didn't know what I was meant to do or who I was without sport, you know? Do you think as well, like, from a, a point of view of having 
before there was so much control over every aspect of your life so with your your training your your nutrition yes your schedule because even, even with me I nowhere near to the extremes that you did but when I quit my corporate job it was just after I'd finished a uh, uh, competition as well fitness competition so up to that point my whole days had been scheduled my food was measured my training plans were structured and then all of a sudden I went to nothing and it messed up my head I was like oh my god I don't know how to plan my own stuff yeah exactly and I think and yeah I'll be very open about it I think because my whole life was very structured and regimented and I felt like that was the only thing that I knew that was that was what was familiar to me so mm-hmm. even when the sport was taken away like pretty quickly I kind of made my own you know I kind of still live by the same rules but I I, I don't want to word it well, maybe I should word it as self-punishment because I kind of kept that regimented lifestyle in my head. I didn't know another way how to live. Yeah. Um, and so the way I coped with it was overtraining. I basically just drilled my body into the ground every day as a way of mentally coping, as a way of, you know, like I said... Thinking that you're still doing something. Yeah, feeling like I was still achieving something by basically just numbing myself in the gym. Um, which of course made me very ill, which which I know you know about. I don't know mm-hmm. if you want me to talk about that, but if you if you're open to, then I think that would be very beneficial for people. Yeah, I'm very open to it, and I think that's what. Well, yeah, that was the journey that once I was qualified in nutrition, I definitely um, was drawn towards working with eating disorders, and then ended up working in a, a couple of clinics that only specialize in eating disorders because I had one for five or mm-hmm. six years during that time of my life. Um, it was, it did you, was very did you realize you how, how long did it take you to realize that you you had it i think uh i think well to everyone around me they realized it was a problem automatically because obviously they could see physically i had lost so much weight i mean i was very very i went from being like a very you know strong athlete um to looking like a skeleton within 6 months because i was oh. overtraining so much i think i didn't i i i didn't acknowledge that i had a problem probably for a honestly a good couple of years a good couple of mm. years um and even when i did it, it was it, you know it's such an addiction it, it it's very very hard to pull yourself out of it um but i'm very lucky to to have even survived that because my body was in a state of very very i mean you know to give you the details i'm i'm one meter 80 i'm five foot 11 i mean and you know me i've got like naturally yeah. broad shoulders and stuff and muscular legs from tennis and i think i went which down i'm very the- jealous of <laughs> and I think you know my normal weight at, at tennis I think was 78 kilos 80 kilos when I was competing and I went down to 50 kilos <gasps> yeah wow yeah it was it was very I mean I'm it was Jeez. very 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 bad and I also think that once you once you get to that place of such malnourishment mm. your brain can't function normally you know you're so undernourished that you can't see things normally you everything is delusional to you you're living in your own bubble yeah um so i mean yeah fast forward a bit a little bit thank god i was able to get out of that thanks to the help of friends and family really i feel like the thing that healed me was allowing other people allowing other people to help me and um allowing other people to love me i feel like love is the most powerful 100 percent, especially when you are going through the the times when you're struggling to love yourself exactly exactly when i couldn't love myself others were there to do it for me and it took a honestly tori it took a long time for me to um get my physical health back and my mental health back Mm. um but then (laughs) actually what (laughs) but then curveball oh yeah when i was in the middle of nutrition college i think i was in my third year um and i i i think i think i definitely recovered a lot by then i was a lot i was definitely still over exercising um but i was at least nourishing myself very well you know i was was looking after myself in that aspect were you vegan at that point i wasn't vegan at that point i i was i was plant-based but i didn't label myself as vegan yeah understood Uh, i'll I'll tell you about the what how i was fed as an athlete in a minute but um wait where was i going with that so you're going (laughs) sorry midway through right right yeah the curve yeah yeah midway through the nutrition school where I built up my health so much and was looking healthy again but then I started collapsing like we we just didn't know why and started losing weight drastically again and luckily my dad is a doctor he's an orthopedic surgeon um, and he noticed the signs um, of a very very rare disease and he was kind of thinking 
oh my god i don't know if you have this disease and basically basically to cut a long story short um i was collapsing a lot they took me in gave me an ultrasound straight away and they found a huge tumor on my right adrenal gland so basically it's a very very rare disease i think it's only in one in a million people so obviously trust me to get it you know trust you to be fair you are one in a million so i mean yeah i mean (laughs) there's proof right there that i'm one in a million (laughs) so basically they saw this uh basically i had a disease of excessive adrenaline where your adrenal glands pump so much adrenaline but they measured my levels and they said that at that time it was as if i was taking like 10 ecstasy ecstasy pills a day wow yeah so that was the amount of anxiety that i was living with um and i would wake up at night you know shivering yeah, shaking imagine. and you know just, it was just it was mad it was mad it was driving me insane and that so, was never going to be helping you trying to put weight on or anything like that exactly either. yeah exactly um and i mean they had to take the they, they took my right adrenal gland out immediately because they said if it was caught like a month later I would have had a heart attack, a heart attack, and died from the adrenaline. So, Damn. so I guess you could say that my, I've been through a lot physically and mentally. Mm. But um, yeah, I mean, I've worked hard to get back to where I am, and and I'm, I'm blessed to have people around me that have supported me back to this. You know? Yeah, for sure. You for being sure. one of them. Ah, oh, thanks, brother. <laughs> <laughs> We're all there for each other. It's a good little, good little unit. But yeah. I think that's where it is so important to really take the time to evaluate the people around you as well. Yeah, because I know that I've been through some hard times. And I'm like, yo, where's anyone at? <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, and you get to that point where it's you haven't uh, maybe addressed the people who are around you in the good times. That when you get to the bad times, you're like, oh, okay, I maybe don't have quite the right people around me. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that but, was a, that was a big uh, that, that was a big wake up call, I guess, for me towards the end of my tennis career. When you you know when you're in a sport like that and you're at a very high level, you have like an agent and a coach and a manager and sponsors. And I believe that all of these people really cared about me as a person. They were family. Yeah, they were my family, and they were the people I traveled with for years. And the day that I was injured, it was like I was honestly spat out, and I realized that they actually didn't care about me as a person. They basically saw me, they saw me as an investment, basically. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I I think that's the thing. But then when you do find those people that you know are going to be there for you, no matter what, it's just, it's such a valuable thing. It is, it is. And and yeah, like right now, I mean, you know, we both know that um, the Vivo Life team, for example. Yeah. Honestly. Honestly. Yeah. they're, They're my new family. And I've never, ever been... You know, like I've been a part of many companies in the past, not including Nike and Adidas when I was younger. I've never been treated with so much respect and love mm. um, as our little Vivo family. You know, I was gonna say, and this is like this is not us even just trying to plug because I even I even said to some people like I I now do some work for Vivo, and the reason I do it is simply because I love them so much. Like, Absolutely, I love everything that they stand for. I love everybody who's part of it. Absolutely, it is a, it's a community. It's, it's a, completely it's, yeah. a community. Yeah, yeah, we're very lucky to have built this little community where we all support each other, and yeah, it's a big. After all of the, I guess you could say, after all of the crappy people that I had to deal with, I've ended yeah. up with gold, basically. Exactly. <laughs> you gotta go. You gotta go sipping for it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so now, obviously, you're doing. Um, so you are a clinical nutritionist. I am. Yeah. Um. Obviously, we know you. Or. If you don't already know him from YouTube, you will do soon. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we know you more from that side. Like, what kind of is like your your daily thing now? Because well, I don't personally know, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, actually, I, I actually made a video about this. I actually quit. Well, not quit because I might go back, but I stopped working with patients one to one at the end of last summer. Um. And I guess it was for, it was for two reasons. Number one, because I was very drained from it. Like I said, working with eating disorders, especially which yeah. I'm which I'm passionate about, and it is it's a very rewarding job. It, it, I think it's very 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 draining, especially when you've been in that situation. Especially like when, you can be a lot more empathetic. Exactly. Empathetic sort of yeah. I, I mean, I do believe that in order to work with eating disorders or addicts, I really feel like you have to have been through it yourself. That's my yeah. personal belief. If you're going to be a good practitioner with it, but it was very draining and and on the other side um you know i guess my youtube channel grew enough that um it became my career and i i was able to choose that over clinical work and in my mind not only was it better for me mentally because i get to be creative i get to have fun i get to do something that i love every single day 
Um, but also, I, I actually feel like again, you're reaching not, more people. Yeah, reaching more people. Like you know, mm-hmm. when I'm when I'm stuck within the walls of a clinic room, I can help one person in that hour, um, or maybe ten people in a day. But you know, every video I put out, if it gets you know between fifty to a hundred thousand views, that's gonna help more people on a general level to actually give them rather than t- telling people eat this don't eat that take this don't take that and giving them rigid rules which some yeah. people need but now it's more like you know i can teach people with easy realistic in how know, to make it sustainable yeah easy sustainable. realistic examples yeah. you know recipes you know in the kitchen showing people how easy it can be and how enjoyable it can be at the same time because for me you know food is not it's not just uh, nourishment it's not just medicine it's also it's a sense of pleasure. It's something to be celebrated. It's something to be loved. And I feel like, especially in the vegan community, well, it definitely in, in recent years, but it's present now as well. I, st- I still see people that, you know, they're very obsessive over what they eat and mm-hmm. they're worried about eating, you know, a teaspoon of oil or they think they have to be high carb, low fat and they give themselves all these labels. And it's like, yes, we do need to nourish ourselves with whole plant foods. But at the same time, um, you know food is, is 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 about more than that it's about love it's about connection it's about sharing yeah. it's about all of those things are just as important you know and i think that's the thing it is shifting people's mindset because i feel like it is very much one or the other people are like the, the standard social conditioning is to be eating food for pleasure we're always i mean i can i remember in the past the amount of hours i'd spend thinking about oh what am I going to eat for tea tonight? Or, yeah. oh, what do I fancy for lunch? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, I can't wait. I'm going to have that for breakfast. Like, I'd spend so much time thinking about food for it to be over in the space of five, 10 minutes. Yeah. And it was completely counterproductive. Yeah. So then I went very much on a, to a point where I'm like, no, food is fuel. Like, it is for nourishment. But at the same time, it's like, I would never eat something that I don't enjoy. Yeah, exactly. And I, yeah. And I feel like, um, that's something that I'm very passionate about on my channel is, is showing people, yes, let's eat whole foods, let's nourish ourselves, but we can, you know, we don't need to strive for perfection because it, right. that in itself is, is a very dangerous thing. You know, I've been there and it almost killed me. Mm. Um, I think it's when you, when you can understand what foods are good for you, then, then you can make fun with it. Exactly. 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 Um, but then I also feel like, yeah yeah you're totally right with that but there are unfortunately um and you probably knew i was going to talk about this but unfortunately mm-hmm. there are mm-hmm. still you know people um on on vegan youtube who, who have a massive following a massive influence um and even some of the plant-based doctors who in my opinion um based on what i've seen in clinical work their advice is damaging for damaging it's, it's horrendous yeah. um the whole high carb low fat trend which you know does work for some people and that's absolutely fine i support it but on the flip side i you know i i've i've worked with hundreds of girls that have lost their period because they follow right. rules too rigidly um, and i think that's it's understanding your own body enough as well yeah like like for me i know that i've i because I, i've got imbalanced hormones for yeah me, i've always needed fats as soon yeah. as i lower my fats i am scatty yeah and and again addressing whether you're aiming for physical goals all for your overall well-being and for me in the past again i mean obviously yours was different because you were sport based i was always very aesthetic based yeah so in the past my eating habits were disgraceful because it was purely for aesthetics there was no health focus at all and now but the mad thing is as soon as i put health as my priority my body actually did what i always wanted it to do yeah yeah no exactly it's like we all we all should prioritize our health and mm-hmm. and um and and uh, what's the word uh, I, I don't even know what the, come on fill the gap tori fill the gap uh, you should always uh, <laughs> uh, where are we going where are we going is the whole thing about where the mind goes the body follows no uh, i was more no. going down the road of um we should all i was gonna say attain that's not the i'm really bad with words by the way highly dyslexic well but... i love i love words but keep going with the sentence <laughs> and I can't fill it in. um I, I feel like we should all aspire i don't know if that's there right we, go. we yeah. should all aspire to nourish our bodies as well as mm-hmm. we can but the big problem that i'm still seeing is people taking it too far you know yeah it's so like you know I, I i still know people and a lot of these people have unfortunately have a big following and, and i really feel like they shouldn't because they're doing damage to people's health but 
what would you give it what would your advice like obviously i know that you give out the the, the right kind of information on your on your youtube mm-hmm. but for people who are seeking answers like what would your advice be to them because that's the problem like nowadays we're always i i'm the same i'm always going straight to google or to youtube to figure out how i'm going to do something or yeah what question or yeah. somebody's review on something do you know what i mean and yeah we are taking and it's great because we're not just going with the standard media. We are able to explore different people's perceptions of and experiences of things. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But one thing I'm very, very passionate about and adamant about is that, you know, the beautiful thing of a plant-based diet is that there are so many different ways of eating healthily on it. You know, you can eat, um, you know, some people, they, like you said, they do need a lot more fat. Some people prefer to eat lower fat and they feel great for a certain period of time. You know, if you're living in the tropics, you know, for sure you're going to be eating more fruit. And right. I don't I don't agree with people that literally, you know, they they and, and I'm even talking about some very prominent plant based doctors. And um, they sit there and they give like rigid rules and keep your fat under 20 percent of calories. And we are starchivores and never touch oil. And it's like different things work for different people. And we should celebrate that. And we should um, right. in- include everyone. And we should even, you know, even there are even people like I've done, I know I don't promote it at all, but I even did a vegan keto challenge on my channel, not because I want to promote it, because, but because the, the ketogenic movement in itself, people eating a meat-based diet, ketogenic diet, is growing just as fast as veganism. Yeah. And my goal was to show people, look, even if you wanted to be ketogenic, which whatever, you do you, you can do it much healthily, healthier on plants with actually whole foods. Yeah, for sure. Um, for sure. So that's the beautiful thing that I, I'm trying to promote is that, that everyone can find an answer within a plant-based diet. We need to be flexible and it needs to be all yeah. about abundance and, and we can all find out what works for us. But there's no, I think, I think that's there's the no one diet for everyone. There's not. No, and I think that's the key thing again. Um, so going back to my point where we're always looking outward for answers it is coming back to self do you know what I mean and taking the time to get to know your body and yeah eating foods and thinking about how they made you feel during the time you were eating them but then afterwards as well yeah like how your bowels reacted to yeah them, how your mind reacted to them yeah I, that's one thing I always say I one of my sayings I pretty much say in every video is that real food makes you feel good for longer than just the moment you're eating it right um, and I and I I think back to the days I said I was going to mention this earlier. I think back to the days when I was in sport and I've, I mean, back then, don't forget, we're talking 10 years ago, you know, mm-hmm. but I, I stopped very, very young. Um, back then, even vegetarian athletes wasn't really a thing. I mean, now, yeah. I mean, look at all the vegan athletes. We right. Have, right. You know, even in, in my sport, you know, we have Serena Williams, um, who is, has a queen has, yeah, has a personal vegan chef. I don't think she's labeled herself as vegan, but at least she's eating plant-based yeah. and she's well, doing exactly- that for physical reasons. Did you hear about the Tennessee Titans? No. Oh, it did. I did. I did. I yeah. Did. So basically there was um, one guy who decided to go plant-based. He didn't tell anybody. Um, and then a lot of the other players were like, and he had a personal chef who had, who he employed to do plant-based meals for him. Yeah. Um, and he, like, cause he, he'd been advised by a doctor, which I was very surprised by to actually give plant-based a go. Yeah. Anyway, his, his endurance was better. His energy was better. His focus was Absolutely. better. Like, he, his performance just shot up. So then other athletes started inquiring, like, yo, what are you doing? Like, yeah. Friends. Yeah. So then a couple of other people started trying it. And then there were a couple of people who you could tell wanted to try it, but weren't weren't ready to ditch the meat. So the chef sent out a couple of meals to them. They tried them. They loved them. Um, and it was actually, I think she'd made a, a vegan burger or something. Mm. And he'd split it with them. And then that's when they were like, oh, my gosh. So there's probably, I think there was about, there was quite, I can't remember the exact number, but there was quite a few of the players who then switched to doing, I don't know whether they're fully vegan or whatever, but they're predominantly plant-based yeah. and their performance, the whole team's performance has radically improved. Exactly. And and, and it's, it's a very, very similar thing that's happened in tennis recently as well with, I mean, I know I mentioned uh, Serena Williams, but I think mm-hmm. one thing that she turned vegan because of her sister, you know, Venus Williams. Yeah. Um, Venus Williams was, was diagnosed with Shogun syndrome, which is an autoimmune condition, which kind of, it, it can cripple you. It basically gives you low energy. It dries up your your mucous membranes and gives you very achy joints. And so she switched to a raw vegan diet for two years. Okay. And was able to stay in the top 10 of the world, which I think is pretty amazing. It just yeah, it shows is. it shows the benefits of an anti-inflammatory diet for sport. And they're not course, small girls either. Exactly. They're big, big, strong girls. 
Uh, and then on the male side, number one in the world, what well, he might be number two now, but Novak Djokovic is, mm-hmm. I don't know if he's fully vegan, but he's plant-based. Um, so, I mean, the proof is is in the athletes. And, and the reason it's working is because, you know, when we when we do things to our muscles, when we ag- when we agitate them, when we, you know, when we push our body to the limits, we are creating yeah. excessive inflammation. And the best way to dampen that inflammation quickly is with whole plant foods. No one can deny that. High right. antioxidant rich plant based foods. And so this is why it's working. And this is why the athletes continue to do it. So and I'm just going to ask the question because it's the question that we all get asked all the time. So I'm just going to pin it back on you. Yeah. Because whenever it, it happens for non-athletes, I mean, you're going to get the question, even more so of athletes, the argument for protein. How are you going to get enough protein? And yeah. how are you going to keep your muscle mass? Like, Yeah. Well, obviously with Vivo Life salted caramel. <laughs> <laughs> no, not salted caramel. It's no, all kidding. about banana cinnamon. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, that we know the answer to that but yeah that that question you know i get it four thousand times a day and i'm sure mm-hmm. you do too and um but i mean the thing is it's very easy to get enough protein on a plant-based diet even if you need additional protein if you're you know if your goal is bodybuilding or whatever which i know you yeah know, you've been into that in the in stuff i've never doubled in that but you know <laughs> yeah that's a whole different um, a whole different ball game but yeah, yeah. It's a whole different <laughs> ball game but i mean it is if you do if you have a well-planned vegan diet and we're talking you're getting in with your meals, you know, you're adding beans and lentils and legumes, tofu, nuts, seeds, quinoa, peas. All of these things are very high in good quality protein, but not only come with protein, they also come with um, antioxidants, vitamins, minerals, fiber, phytochemicals, which help to eliminate, you know, inflammation in your muscles quicker than animal protein does. Um, and of course, you know, on top of that, you know, I mean, a lot of people might say, oh, yeah, but look at the vegans, they have to take protein shakes. Well, I'm sorry, in sport, they're all taking I was protein say, shakes. And I, took, I, I don't know one bodybuilder who doesn't take some form of protein shake, whether it's whey or a plant-based one. Exactly. Everyone is taking, I mean, well, not everyone, no. but a lot of athletes. We um, can't be bothered to eat that depending on, food. <laughs> yeah, depending on what their goal is, they're all supplementing with protein shakes. And I was stuffed with protein shakes back in the day. I was stuffed with the whey mm. ones, which really clogged up my digestion. Mm-hmm. Um I think that's another reason why a plant-based diet is working for endurance athletes, especially, is because um, it doesn't. It is very easy on your digestion. It's not going to tax it as right. much. And I have because I would um, say even in the bodybuilding community, you're seeing a lot more people, even if they're not going plant-based, they're cutting back pro- primarily on the dairy. Um, yeah, that's a really interesting mm-hmm. thing I've noticed. There's a few, um, I guess, I guess you could call them fitness YouTubers that I watch, and and they're not vegan, but they do have you know great you know fitness advice. And I've noticed that even though they kind of follow maybe like a paleo way of eating or lots of meat, uh, most people have cut out dairy, which I feel like is a massive step. Because if we're talking in terms of inflammation, I feel, in my opinion, dairy is a million times worse for your body than I I agree with that. I've always said that if I had to eat, I'd never eat them. But like, if you're forced to be one or the other, I'd always choose meat over dairy because not just because of the process. I would too, because I feel like. Yeah, it's one thing to eat the flesh, but it's just a whole different ball game to take the lactation fluids and drink right. them. I mean, it's it's, a, and and what I've seen in clinic, of course, when I was in clinic work, you know, we would, it's not just me analyzing someone physically. We would do blood tests constantly on people, and we would notice that especially with people that had autoimmune conditions such as such as arthritis or thyroid issues or just even gut issues it was always dairy that caused mm-hmm. the inflammation markers to, to go through the 100%. Roof. And I think, because yeah. the thing is, well, I feel like a lot more people are building up intolerances to it. Even myself, I had whey for so long and all of a sudden it just got to the point where my stomach just couldn't deal with it anymore. And I started, yeah. um, I'd start breaking out from having dairy. Exactly the same with my best friend. She didn't, she went accidentally vegan. Um, <laughs> I love, I love all the yeah. different versions that has happened to people. She, she decided to give up meat anyway because she was just bored of it. Um, but she yeah. ended up being forced to give up dairy because all of a sudden she was reacting so bad. She was getting like cystic spots on her skin just from from having a, a protein shake or a little bit of cheese or whatever here and there. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I mean, it's 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 I mean, it's a warning sign. I mean, you know, when we I think like we don't even have to. I mean, we people can go into the science and I've gone into the science of it, too. But I mean. With dairy, it's like the moment you put it in your mouth, your mucous membrane starts secreting because it's almost like they're putting up a protective barrier um, that is actually not supposed to be in your body, but especially maybe, probably because it's so acidic and it's just such a, 
Um, and that's why a lot of people, when they drink milk, they get very, you know, phlegmy and like you get like a coating in your mouth and just glued digestion. And it, I think, yeah, it's dairy is, is scary. Very dairy scary. is scary. That's that's the whole logo right there. But exactly. um, but yeah, for me as well, I have to admit the whole reason I only gave up dairy originally. I gave up meat and dairy for a month just because I was so bored of it. Well, I was bored of eating meat. So I gave that up for a month because I always set myself up mm-hmm. challenges. And the reason I gave up dairy was purely because I needed to give up eating sweet things because after competing, I'd gone on a binge. So I was like, you know mm. what, to get me to give up eating ice cream and chocolate and whatever else, let me just give it up for a month. Like, And instead of saying giving up sugar, let me just give up dairy because otherwise I'm just going to sit and eat cheese. So I heard, yeah. let me give up dairy. After two weeks, because I used to, I used to, I'd started getting really bad um, pain in my, in my right knee. And obviously at that point, I was only, what, 26, 27. So I'm like, I shouldn't be getting this pain, but... I just put it down to my lifting and I was like, well, I know my technique's on form, but obviously it's just taking its toll. Maybe I need to stretch more. Da, 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 da. Anyway, two weeks in, I'm not eating dairy. All of a sudden I was walking upstairs and my knee stopped clicking. I was like, right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. With, with dairy, when you eliminate it, eliminate it in, in a lot of people and especially in a lot of children as well. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, I this is going to sound really rude, but you know, like you, ugh. Yeah, spit it is, out <laughs> there's there's no way i can say it politely but you know I, I would see a lot of you know when i was in clinic a lot of people would bring their children with issues because they were very like clogged up and snotty for example um and just even without even without addressing the rest of the diet just the simple elimination of dairy would clear up the the, the bad symptoms within a week yeah. um it, yeah it's it's and um i definitely felt that like when i was in sport as well i i again back then i wasn't vegan i wasn't even vegetarian it wasn't even accepted back then but one thing i used to to struggle with very badly especially when we were competing in the heat was muscle cramps Mm -hmm. yeah um and i've always had an aversion to i this is a whole other story but even since since i was little i've had a big aversion to animal foods like my dad who is persian and a big part of persian culture is meat and chicken and he, he kind of did, wouldn't force feed it to me, but it was very encouraged that I kind of needed to eat it. So I kind of did force yeah. it down. But same, same. I went, through a, I went through a stage when I was, you know, obviously not with parents and traveling when I was 18, kind of, and I was kind of not in control of my own nutrition because we were kind of told what to eat. But I went through a phase of just not eating animal products because I felt like I couldn't stomach them. And, and in place of that, I started eating again. I don't really promote a very high fruit diet, but I started replacing a lot of the things that we would snack on or would refuel on with fruit smoothies and whole fruit and coconut water. And immediately my muscle cramps stopped. I could go, you know, I was playing like long matches in the heat and sweating buckets and sweating buckets and my endurance improved, my breathing improved, and I actually stopped getting muscle cramps. And I put that down to two things. I put it down to, you know, the the lack of the pro-inflammatory foods that I was consuming at the time and I was kind of forced to consume and also the addition of the highly anti-inflammatory um, plant-based foods, especially the fruit, which again is very high in potassium and magnesium. Which fruit, two of the main say, things. Which fruits in particular were you like more drawn or, or advised to have? Well, I, well, I guess the only ones we were really advised to have, and, and back then we were working with the, you know, when, when you're, when we were competing with the Great Britain team, we were working with the Olympic nutritionists and we were told, you know, I guess bananas was the main yeah. thing, right? But even back then, we were given like unripe bananas. We weren't even told to eat ripe ones. Wow. <laughs> it's kind of funny. But I was drawn towards water rich fruits. So I went through a stage of not, of course, not being fruitarian. Yeah. I was still eating everything else, but like I was eating a lot of like um, uh, grapes and berries and apples and avocados, especially, mm-hmm. which are very high in magnesium and potassium. Um, and I put that down to um, why my mu- why I stopped getting muscle cramps. Did you find you slept better doing that as well? I, I felt like everything was better purely because my digestion was yeah. better. And, you know, your gut health really is right. the absolute pillar of your health in terms of mental health and energy. And so, as you know, so many different bodily functions. And because my digestion was better, everything was better. Yeah. Mm interesting i was gonna say because for me i definitely crave more of kind of the watery fruits as well um yeah also like my recent discovery i spoke with jack's patch about this the other day um on on another podcast but about um actually trying to get hold of a more seeded fruit as well yes that's a you know what that's really interesting that you brought that up yeah 
Go on. What What was your reason for? Well, it, for me, it was it off. was I, I when I when I got sick uh, when I was in LA, I'd spoken to somebody about doing some some healing through basically just doing some fruit fasting for a little while just to allow my body to actually take some time off the digestion and to focus on kind of that the healing etc um and that made me study more about kind of like the fruits were available to us and i remember i went to go and get some seeded grapes do you know how hard that is oh my oh me i know i know you can find them in. You can find them in. Um, they have them in Waitrose here, but I think that's might be the only right. Place. So it's impossible to start with. Like it was really difficult. And that, that, but then what, I remember one night I was sat at home and I was like, "Hold up a minute!" Like everything that has a seed, like even us as humans, I've got an egg. Do you know what I mean? It's a seed. That's how we create more life. So I was like, yeah. "How the hell are they reproducing things with no seeds?" It didn't make sense to me, and yeah. I never thought about it. So I googled it. Yeah, and I was like. And then, oh. yeah, and another, and another. Is, I'm really glad that you brought this up, actually, because I very, very rarely talk about this. But another reason why it's it it is optimal. And again, what I well, I I probably should have said this, but wh- when I was eating a lot of, started eating a lot of fruit, just intuitively when I was an athlete, I was also traveling. So don't forget, I had good access to like good quality tropical fruit yeah. when we were in hot climates because the tour like w- goes with the sun. So I guess I was eating good quality seeded fruit, but. One of the reasons why seeded fruit is like king compared to like unseeded fruit is because antioxidants are only actually present in fruit to protect the seed. Because when the fruit falls from the tree, um, then obviously the seed hits the ground or whatever in nature and then grows something else, blah, blah, blah. We all know this. But um, if there's no seed in the fruit, there's not going to be as much antioxidants in the flesh because there's nothing there to protect. Damn, I hadn't even thought about that. I mean, it's logical, but yeah. Yeah, the antioxidants are there as a protective mechanism for other things that might invade the fruit, such as, I don't know, just other, you know, external like weather elements or bugs or other things on the ground. And so, yeah, um, seeded fruit is always much higher in antioxidants. That's a fact. And phytochemicals as well. Um, So, so, I mean, we've discussed the fruit. I, I honestly, I don't know why I hadn't even thought about that. But these are the things Like, there's a lot of things that we just don't question enough. Um, yeah. But what would you say in regards to kind of like, we, we've discussed a little bit more on the protein side, we've discussed a little bit on the fruits, but like in regards to like the vegetable side and things, just to kind of give people a bit of an idea of what kind of things to kind of go towards, I guess. Yeah, I mean, w- one of the things that I'm a big promoter of is, I mean, in my opinion, like greens are one of the most important mm-hmm. part of anyone's diet. You know, I feel like any whole foods, any whole foods diet can be healthy if there's a lot of green action going on. I don't believe that you can be healthy long term without vegetables or right. greens. Um, and there's lots of reasons for this, you know, in, in dark leafy greens, things like, you know, even things like romaine and spinach and kale and broccoli and the cruciferous vegetables and stuff like that. Um, they have phytochemicals and minerals, specifically magnesium in the greens that you really cannot get in large amounts in any other foods. Um, not with not in that not with that quality as well. But, you know the perfect yeah. package that it comes in, the antioxidants and all of the synergistic nutrients as well. Um, so I do definitely. I always recommend that people add dark leafy greens to their diet if possible. You know, unless they're, you know, someone that's on like warfarin where they have to kind of avoid them. But that's a whole different mm-hmm. story. But for for the average healthy person, greens should always make up half of the plate. And I've always said that since day dot. Yeah. Always. No, I back you on that one. It looks better anyway. Yeah. It looks better. It tastes better. And also for people, you know, people that like to eat a lot like me, you know, I like to eat big. And so I like to bulk my plates up, my plate up with foods that not only are going to fill me up long term, but they also they serve a purpose. You know, they're like, especially like, as you all know, when you're trying to, you know, get ready for a competition, you want the foods that have the lowest amount Mm -hmm. of calories, but the maximum amount of nutrition. And that's exactly what we get from greens. And unfortunately, what we still see in a typical Western diet is beige food, right? right? We see yellow. Um, and it's it's a shame, but it's small steps. But I feel like one of the most powerful things you can do towards your diet, even if you're not vegan, is just add more greens into your diet. So, And just going on a side note, for, for a lot of people, I guess, who this is another question that I feel I get a lot, is being a plant on a plant-based diet, do you feel that we need certain supplementation? Well, I mean, it goes without saying that we need to take B12. I'm very adamant about that. Um, I know that there are some people that say you can get it in like spirulina and stuff, which you absolutely can't. Spirulina has something that mimics B12. 
so yeah, if you're you know you're, if you're going to be vegan long term, you definitely need to supplement with B12. And I know a lot of people as well say that they get a lot from fortified foods like nutritional yeast and plant-based milks, which is fine. Mm-hmm. But I just think with it's not worth the risk because you know taking extra B12 is it's not something that's toxic. You're, gonna, so you're, you're only like going to miss out. Exactly, you're, you're, you you take a low dose supplement every day, and it's just for backup because you know. And I've seen it in children. We've, we've, we've all seen the horrific things that can happen from a B12 deficiency, which is we're talking cognitive impairment. We're talking long term nerve damage, irreversible nerve damage. Mm. So it's just not worth it. I feel like B12 goes without saying. Additionally to that, there are definitely things that I, I have recommended to people in the past. I feel like some people can definitely benefit from taking extra DHA. Yeah. Of course, you know, the DHA is less conversionable from plants um from ala to epa to dha than actual animal foods this is a fact but um you know if some people if they are struggling especially with digestive issues if they struggle to eat things like flax seeds and hemp seeds and chia seeds high fiber stuff then yeah then they can definitely benefit from taking um, a dha supplement and um, definitely i think kids can benefit as well um taking a low dose dha supplement in certain cases um I feel like they're the main two that you really need to be cautious of. If you're eating a well-planned vegan diet, then they're the only two that I would really, you know, throw caution towards. Definitely the B12 one. Uh, again, DHA is not something that you need to worry about or everyone needs to take. I'm just saying that it might be helpful for some people that are not getting enough from their diet alone. Um, and on top of that, you know, it, it never hurts to t- just to take a multivitamin just to make yeah. sure. And, and that's 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 just not for, that's not just for vegans. That's for everyone. It goes without saying, because and also, you know, we're talking about B12 as if it's just a vegan problem. It's not just a vegan problem. I've worked with we would see hundreds of people and my dad would see hundreds of people in his clinic as a doctor um, with B12 deficiency. And none of them were Man. vegan. You know, B, B12 deficiency is a global issue. It's not a vegan issue. Um. So, yeah. And, and additionally to that, there are things, you know, th- things that I take. I take extra magnesium because I have very, very bad anxiety and it helps with that. So there's always like a little additional thing. Yeah. That and like for me, I take you can iron. Add. Yeah. 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 For females specifically, iron can be very helpful. Yeah, yeah no, for sure. So, I mean, obviously, touch, you've just touched that B12 is is if you if you are vegan on a long term kind of plan, that's definitely beneficial. But how else can we make veganism work long term? Because long time long term because obviously we've seen a couple of people who we've already discussed this before but who have tried to do different fads and tried different stuff and we've we've both addressed that you need yeah. to come back to self and figure out what works for you yeah um, i mean the, the way we can make veganism work long term and the way that we can bring more people into i mean veganism let's face it has a crap retention rate it mm-hmm. does and for sure, that is because some people, they might just use it as a little weight loss fad or, you know, just do a little cleanse. And they haven't gone there for the right reasons. They haven't made the ethical connection. But the way we can make it um, work long term is by promoting and, and celebrating that there are many different ways to, to, to eat on it. Because I think a lot of people that fail on a vegan diet is because they've done something very strict, like young people trying the starch solution, which is ridiculous. You know, that's a diet for people that have diabetes or heart disease it's not for the average young person they don't need to worry about their fat yeah. that much and i feel like if we just promote like a balanced plate like make sure you're eating with every meal eat healthy fats eat protein eat healthy carbs get your greens in and on top of that don't strive for perfectionism like treat your body even eat junk food occasionally if you want it because it's good for the soul right. you know life is all about balance and the way that we can make it work is by um you know, like I said, celebrating the many different ways that you can make a, a, a vegan diet work and also kind of trying to eliminate the stupid fads where people have all of these rules and restrictions. Right. And, you know, I still know people that they go to a social gathering and they won't even eat the food because maybe there's a tiny bit of oil in it and it kind of controls their life. And in my opinion, it's like not eating the oil gives you your body more stress. And that stress in itself is worse for your body mm-hmm. than actually not eating the less than healthy food, you yeah, know what I mean? For sure. So I feel like striving perfect for perfection is, is gonna it can make anyone feel on anyone on any diet, but just having that respect um, for yourself, I guess, isn't it? Respecting and respecting your your gut, not just from a health perspective, but your gut instincts on on what you feel is right. Yeah, absolutely. And and, and also not copying other people because we've seen this happen time and time again, especially in the in the YouTube world where certain big influencers would promote a diet of, for example, zero overt fats or you know only eating fruit and 
you know, very, you know, restrictive rules about certain things. And it's like, whilst these things may work for a select few people, we do have to remember that we're all different and definitely do not copy your, your, your idol on Instagram or YouTube, because what works for them is not necessarily going to work. And also, I think it's, it's worth pointing out that even it might work for you, but you can't just go into it with it like head first. Your body has been conditioned a certain way for so long. Because I mean, even with a majority of vegans, they'll go pescatarian first and then they'll kick that out. Do you know what I mean? It's it's yeah. allowing your body to adjust. Exactly. It's allowing your body to adjust. And I think, um, you know, th- you know, there are people that don't want to just eat a whole foods plant-based diet. There are people that might, I mean, we, we don't find it boring, but there are people that might find it boring at first because their taste buds are, atti- are, are what's the word, adapted, mm-hmm. um, not the word, additions? Accustomed. <laughs> accustomed, there we go. Um, their taste buds are accustomed to like very like processed, like highly oily, salty, sugary, you know, MSG and animal products type foods. Um and that's where even, you know, in today's world, we're living in 2019, even meat replacements can play a big role, a healthy role in a vegan right. diet. Um, and I've talked about this openly recently because I feel like it can be very helpful. A lot of people that come to veganism, they still, you know, that maybe they don't want to eat animals, but they still miss the flavor of those foods. And it's amazing that even, you know, in the UK now, we can get things like vegan sausages, vegan burgers, right. um, things that actually taste like animal products, but are actually a million times healthier because they're higher in fiber and the protein is coming from beans and tofu and plant-based sources. That, so. And that's the, the one thing that I always kind of just don't understand the question when a meat eater says, but if you don't want to eat chicken, why are you eating fake meat? Yeah. Because <laughs> I don't want to eat an actual good. chicken. <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. It's, you know, it's not because everyone, it, certainly there are people that completely detach from even the thought of anything tasting like an animal as a, as a food source, but people miss the flavor and it's much better that I'd much rather people be eating the meat replacements yeah. if that keeps them vegan rather than thinking, Oh crap, you know, I'm craving eggs. I'm going to have an egg. You know, we, we do have an answer for everything within the plant-based right. diet. So yeah. Cool. Well, I think we've covered uh, quite a lot. <laughs> I think we have. This is a standard Korean Mars conversation, but normally they go on for yeah. a couple more hours. So I think we've done quite well. We've tamed ourselves in this, in this, in this podcast. So I'm, ha- I'm happy with that. Yeah. Um, so hopefully that's given you guys a little bit of insight into kind of who Miles is and giving you some information to kind of work with um, and to listen to yourself with. So you can always reach out to either of us. Please, if you haven't checked out his YouTube, please check it out because you are guaranteed to stay engaged throughout the whole YouTube video. And that is something that I actually <laughs> challenge you to not stay engaged. I've never been able, I've never been one who can sit down and watch it. But yeah, he's a, he's a special. Oh, if only, yeah, but Tori, if, if only you knew the stress that went into the hours of editing though, but at least it I was going to say, that's glad. the editing part. You can see your energy when you're actually recording. So that's all I care about right now. Sorry. <laughs> Oh, thank you. No, that means a lot to me. Thank you. But uh, everybody, have a blessed week. Thank you for listening to us, and we will catch yeah. you soon. Lots of love, Bye. everyone. Bye. Yeah.